Welcome back, everybody. Uh, it's so good to be back. I know we were gone all week. I was traveling. We were in Louisiana at the Supernatural Leadership Conference. But tonight, we're talking about the fundamentals of faith. I want you to stick around with me tonight. We are back in the studio. And tonight's series is going to kick off a crucial aspect of your faith walk. And uh, I'm going to go through what the fundamentals are of having a successful faith, tangible, power-packed, mountain-moving, giant-slaying faith in your life. Oftentimes when you hear Christians talk about faith, they treat faith as if it's just like a Christian title. Oh yeah, I'm in the faith, brother. Or what faith are you? I'm a Buddhist. I'm a Christian. And they use it as like this title, but the Bible doesn't teach faith as a title. Being a Christian is not the only aspect of your faith. Your faith is a tangible substance that actually bears results according to the Bible. And so I want to walk you through how to get results with your faith, how to get to the back to the basics, fundamentals of what faith is, how you get it, how you increase it, how you activate it, how you walk in it, and how you get it to work on your behalf. As you're jumping on on Instagram right now and on YouTube, I want you to type in the comments where you're watching from. And I want you to type this in the comments, say, my faith will work on my behalf. My faith will work on my behalf. Amen. It's good to be back. Hey, Megan. Hey, Mandy. Hey, Billy Bob. Hey, Bertha. <laughs> Pastor Hank had said, when I come on and do these live streams to start calling out random names. So. My faith will work on my behalf. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Well, let's get right into it. Go ahead, get your Bible. Mandy, it's so good to see you down in Missouri. It was a blessing getting to meet you down in Branson. The reason why I want to get back to the fundamentals is because I heard a story this past week. And it actually drastically changed my life. Hey, Joshua on YouTube, good to see you. And hey, as you're watching on YouTube and as you're watching on Instagram, share this with a friend, send it to somebody because this will change their life. It will drastically change their life the same way it changed mine. But hey, Logan, good to see you. When we were down at the Supernatural Leadership Conference this past week, Pastor Hankins shared a very, very powerful story. And he talked about the famous football coach, Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi, I believe, is the most winningest football coach in all of history. But he had this football team that before they became the most winning football team, they had a terrible season. It was an awful season. And at the end of the season, they had just lost their last game. And Vince Lombardi, Coach Vince, grabs this football and he holds it out in front of his team. And he says, men, this is a football and he said that he got back to the fundamentals of what football is here's a football here's how a first down works here's how an offense works here's how a defense works here's special teams here's special plays here's how you have success on the field he got back to the basics back to the fundamentals of how football works and when they exercised and perfected the fundamentals they then became a successful team. I want you to write this down wherever you're at. The fundamentals 
lead to my success. When you understand the fundamentals and you realize that you don't outgrow fundamentals in your faith walk, you don't outgrow the fundamentals of faith. When you realize that, then you will constantly stay in a position of perfecting the fundamentals in your life. As you perfect the fundamentals, your foundation will be solid. You'll be immovable. And you'll watch your faith work on your behalf. So this week, we're going to cover the fundamentals of faith. Number one, I want you to go with me to Hebrews chapter 11. What is faith? You can write this down. What is faith? Let's get back to the fundamentals. What is faith? Well, well, I can tell you what faith is not. Faith is not just a title. My faith is a Christian. No, faith is a substance. Listen to this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. It says, now faith is the substance. Now faith is the substance. Love you, Evangelist Kofi. Now faith is the substance, a substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not a title. Faith is a substance. It's tangible. It's real. Listen to these notes in the study Bible of what it says. Faith is always now. That's why it says now faith is a substance. Faith is always now. And it is the currency of heaven. I want you to write that in the comments for me and write it down on your notebook. Faith is the currency of heaven. A currency gives you access to a product, to a result. Money is a currency in this world. You use money materially to get what it is that you need in life. Similarly, faith is the currency of heaven. Faith gives you the ability to access the promises of God, the inheritance of God, the blessings of God, everything that was paid for. Faith is your currency that gives you access to the things that you hope for. See, your hope is future tense. Faith and hope are not the same. Believing God heals and knowing that he paid the price for you to be healed and you are healed is different. So faith is the currency that actually gives you what you hope for. When you hope, according to the word, hope involves your imagination. So your hope, your desire, what you believe for, according to the Bible, gives you a hope. Your faith is the substance of what you hope for. It gives you access to hope. I want you to type this in the comments. Faith gives me access to what I hope for. Listen to this. This is the Amplified version. I love the Amplified Classic. It is, quote, the assurance or the confirmation, the title deed of the things that we hope for being the proof of things we do not see, and the conviction of their reality. Faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the natural senses. That's powerful. Faith perceives as real fact what is not revealed to the natural senses. So faith, according to what you hope for in the Bible, 
actually gives you access to what you cannot perceive according to natural senses. That's powerful. So your hope is built by revelation knowledge. And I don't want to get ahead of myself. But as you hear the word, as the Bible gets in you, it creates a hope that, whoa, Jesus paid the price for me to be free from sin. It says in Romans 6.14 that sin will no longer have dominion over me. I'm redeemed. I'm in remission. I'm forgiven. I'm set free. Any man who be in Christ, behold, he is a new creature. All things have passed away. All things become new. You start reading the Bible. It gets in you. You hear it. You get faith for it. You begin to hope and see and believe that Jesus did what he did and he did it for you. That hope then becomes a reality because you're convicted of its reality through faith. And faith is the currency that grabs a hold of that reality, believes and speaks and walks out that reality, which we'll get more into as the time goes on. You can write this down, Hebrews 11 verse 6, the Amplified Classic Edition powerful it'll change your life the things we hope for it is a confirmation of the things we hope for being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality proof of the things we do not see and the conviction of their reality you're convicted of the reality even though you don't see the blessing of abraham in your natural eye yet you're convicted of its reality You're convicted that it's coming to pass. You're convicted that by Jesus' stripes you were healed. You're so convicted, so stirred up. You know you drew a line in the sand that no matter what it looks like in your natural senses, you're convicted that the word of God is true. That is faith. When you enter that place of conviction that you can't be swayed by your experience, that you can't be swayed to compromise by what you see in the natural realm, but you're so convicted of the word of God that you must have what it says, then you will have what you say. Amen. Listen to this note. Everything seen can be traced back to its original force that cannot be seen. Faith is the parent force of everything that can be seen on this planet with the physical eye. It is the substance or the evidence of things not yet seen with the natural eye or not yet revealed in the natural physical realm. It says in Hebrews 11 that God spoke the universe into existence by faith. By faith, God believed and spoke and his word created everything that you see. So everything that you see was first spoken. Sound came before seeing came. It was spoken before it was revealed. That is faith. Praise God. Now I want you to understand this. You can write this down. Faith is now. Faith is present. Faith is a working substance that happens now. You have to understand this so that you don't get mixed up in where you're at in your faith walk. You have to be able to place yourself. You have to identify where you're at. Are you in hope or are you in faith? Faith is now. Hope is future tense. Faith is 
now. So faith brings now, brings your hope into now. I'll put it that way. Faith is presently occurring. Now faith is. Hope is what faith gives you access to. So when you can see it in your mind and you can believe it and you hope for it, what's in the word according to the Bible, as your faith gets built for it according to the word, that's what gives you access to that hope. For example, a beautiful story of faith in the Bible is the woman with the issue of blood. In Mark chapter 5, you see that she heard the reports of Jesus. She believed them and she had hope to be made whole. And she spoke, she acted on her faith, and we'll get into that in the next series. But she spoke out of her mouth. She said, I know. She didn't say, I hope. She didn't say, well, I'm believing. She said, I know. That's the conviction of things she could not see yet. I know if I touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. And as she spoke and as she acted on her faith, it happened for her. Conviction is knowing the word of God above all experience. And that was faith. Her hope gave her access to it. And I want you to write this down about hope. Hope is a confident expectation of the word of God. Hoping is not wishing. Brady had a good question. Brady said, so you can't have hope without faith. No, you can't have faith without hope. Because faith is the substance of things hoped for. I want you to write that down though. Hope is a confident expectation of the word of God. It's not wishing. Not I'm wishing that one day God will just miraculously heal me out of nowhere. No. If the woman with the issue of blood did not have a hopeful expectation, a confident expectation, while she reached out for the hem of Jesus' garment, she would have never received. So hope is a confident expectation in the word of God. Not just, not just wishing. So if God says I'm blessed, if he says my cup of blessing overflows, then it's a hopeful, confident expectation. This is what the Bible says. I believe it. I speak it. It's coming to pass in my life. God said I'm blessed. God said I'm set free from the power of sin. By his stripes I am healed. A confident expectation. Now a lot of people accuse faith people of being like negligent. How can you say that? You're in denial. No. Faith does not call those things which are as though they're not. It calls those things which are not as though they are. So if you've got, if you're dying of cancer right now, faith does not say, I don't have cancer. I don't have cancer. I don't have cancer. No. Faith says, cancer, you have no part of me. By Jesus' stripes, I was healed. So therefore, I speak healing over me. I believe I'm healed. I'm whole. I am walking whole from the top of my head to the soles of my toes. So faith doesn't call those things which are as though they're not. It doesn't deny fact, but it calls those things which are not as though they are. It changes fact with truth. Facts are ever changing. Truth is never changing.
So you take the word of God, which is truth. Jesus said, my words are spirit and they are life. They are truth. And you change your fact with the truth by believing and speaking. Praise God. So what is faith? It is the substance of what you hope for. And that substance comes from revelation knowledge. I want you to type, write, type this in the comments and write it down. The hope of my faith, or put it this way, the substance of my faith comes from revelation knowledge. The substance of my faith comes from revelation knowledge. The reason you got to know why faith is what it is and how it works is because every exploit done in the Bible is an exploit of faith. Every victory in the Bible is a victory of faith. Every person that did great things in the Bible was a person of faith. Faith is what pleases God. It says in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, without faith, it's impossible to please God. So with faith, you please God. When you're acting in faith, when you're believing in faith, when you're speaking in faith, when you're walking in faith, when you're exercising your faith, every time you're pleasing God. But the substance of that faith comes from revelation knowledge. If you remember in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, God said, my people, Christians, the Jews at the time, my people destroy themselves due to a lack of knowledge. You know, a lot of Christians today wouldn't have as much trouble with the devil, with sin, with temptation, with poverty, with sickness, with all these things that come from the pit of hell if they just had revelation knowledge of what the Bible says. But because they don't, they actually destroy themselves. They can't blame the devil because God put the answer right in front of them. So as you get revelation knowledge, it creates a substance in you called faith. And I want you to go with me to 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, and I'll show you what that faith does. Revelation knowledge comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. It says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, that faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith is the substance of rhema, alive, spiritual, revelation knowledge. So as you hear the word of God with a poorness of spirit, you're not inflated with pride or arrogant or you think John Calvin is the king of kings and the Lord of lords or you think you think some other theologian or some other person that made a documentary on Netflix, if they're not your God, but the Bible is the word become flesh and you treat it as the inspired word of God with a poorness of spirit, if you're willing to submit humbly to the Bible and receive what it says, then God will quicken his word inside of you. It means that as you hear it, you'll receive spiritual understanding called revelation knowledge. And that revelation knowledge creates inside of you a substance called faith. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. This is what faith does for you. It says, for whoever is born of God overcomes the world. I want you to type this in the comments. Say, I have overcome the world. I'm not overcoming the world. I'm not hoping that one day I overcome the world. It says anyone who's been born of God, which is me, has overcome the world. Type, I have overcome the world. And look at this. 
and the victory that overcomes the world is our faith. Hallelujah. The victory that overcomes the world is our faith. Type this in the comments. I overcome the world by my faith. The victory that overcomes sin, the victory that overcomes depression, anxiety, the victory that overcomes everything in this world is faith. Faith in Jesus, the word become flesh. Faith, the substance of things hoped for, the substance of revelation knowledge. That is what overcomes the world. If you, excuse me, if you hear the word, you believe the word, you speak the word, you act on the word, by faith, you will overcome this world and everything in it. You have overcome the world by your faith. Praise God. Ian Smith said, who's at fault if you don't get what you hope for? Well, Jesus answered that very easily multiple times in the Bible. Anytime somebody didn't get the desired result that they were looking for, he said, you of little faith. Now, a lot of people will say something like, well, Talon, what if this person has more faith than that person? This person got that. This person didn't get that. Well, the reality is the Bible says, always stick to the Bible. Don't be moved by your opinion. Don't be moved by your emotions. Stick to what the Bible says. The Bible says that when you're born again, God gives you a measure of faith because it says in Acts chapter 10 that he is not a respecter of persons. So when you get born again, God gives you a measure of faith, but then he tells you how to increase that measure, that substance that's inside of you so that you can move mountains in life, so that you can get the desired result, so that you can access God's grace, because it says in Ephesians 2, the only way to access God's grace is by faith. So in order to access God's grace, you must have faith. And he said, this is how you get faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. God's word gives you faith. And that's why you'll notice anytime somebody has a lame argument against the faith message, it's because they don't read their Bible. They don't understand how it works. But if you'll just humble yourself and stop assuming that you have all the right answers, maybe you'll learn something. Amen. Don't worry, I'm not rebuking you guys. You just got to rebuke people that are prideful. So, faith. This is our victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Faith makes you an overcomer. Faith in Jesus, faith in the blood of Jesus, what he did, what he redeemed you from, the price he paid for, says that we've received a glorious inheritance in the saints in Ephesians chapter 1 and in chapter 3. In John chapter 16, Jesus said, all that the Father has, has been given to me, and all that I have, I give unto you. So you access the things of heaven, the grace of God, by faith. But remember, it says in Romans chapter 10, let's just go there together. I'll read this to you. I'll explain it to people so that they get a better understanding. The reason why God said my people destroy themselves due to a lack of knowledge is because if you don't know what's in the Bible, then you can't have faith to receive it. And here's a perfect example. Romans chapter 10, we're talking about being saved. Paul writes in Romans chapter 10 how somebody is saved. Starting in verse 8. Now this is straight out the Bible. Remember, we live according to the Bible. 
not according to our favorite theologian, not according to our favorite professor. We live according to the Bible. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. This is the word of faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. So he says faith has to do with your confession. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. So he shows us how faith works, believing God's word, believing what's done for you and confessing. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But listen to this. I want you to get this. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be ashamed, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is generous toward all who call upon him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm very thankful for that. I don't know about you. But I know that my life was a tragedy before I gave my life to Jesus Christ. So I'm very thankful that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved because the Lord saved me. Praise God. Took me out of deep sin. Verse 14. Listen to this. Okay, so how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So he said, how can you call on God if you haven't believed on him? And how shall they believe in him if they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? So he's saying, how can somebody receive Jesus if they haven't even heard that he's the Lord? Meaning, how can you receive anything in the Bible if you have not heard it? And how can you hear it unless somebody preaches it to you? So the reason why Christians destroy themselves, they don't understand that they can be free from anxiety, from depression, from sin, from all this stuff in the world, is because they haven't heard it preached to them. The moment that I heard that Jesus paid the price for me to overcome sin, I walked out of sin by the grace of God because I had faith. God's faith in me by the word gave me access to his grace that empowered me out of sin. Grace is not just the power to forgive sin. It's the power to get you out of sin. And that's what happened for me. Praise the Lord. So faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God, as it gets inside of you, you believe. And as you believe, it becomes a substance in you called faith. Praise the Lord. Now, number two, I want you to write this down. Point number two, how do you acquire the substance of faith? You can write this down. Faith comes by hearing and hearing continuously. Faith comes by hearing and hearing continuously. It says here in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, so then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. As you hear God's word and you get revelation knowledge of it, it builds the substance in you called faith, which gives you access to the promises of God. Faith comes by hearing and continuously hearing. Faith comes by hearing and continuously hearing. Faith comes by hearing and continuously hearing. You'll, if you guys ever notice, I'll just say this because it's so funny. If you ever try to like make an argument in the comments, use the scriptures to back it up. Like Ian here in the comments saying Hebrews 11 is many of the heroes of faith were broken. Yeah, I get it. 
That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We're talking about faith accessing the grace of God. It says he pours out his grace freely. Yes, but grace has to be received. I could pour out water all day long, but if there's not something to catch the water, then it doesn't do you any good. You have to be able to receive the grace of God. You receive God's grace by your faith. Ian, I'll just put it this way. I don't want to keep messing with you in the comments. I'm probably just going to have to block you. The reality is you're not here to learn anything. You're here to start pointless arguments, which is what you're very good at. And uh, you can either avoid that and go somewhere else, or I'm just going to have to block you. You're very puffed up in pride. You must think very highly of your opinion. But anyway, let me handle everyone else while we're going over the Bible. And I appreciate it. Praise the Lord. Point number two, how do we acquire the substance of faith? Now, here's the reality. You got to realize that spiritual things like this don't make sense to the carnally minded. So people that don't understand spiritual things and they try to like beat around the bush or make loopholes on why there's natural reasons that you don't have to access spiritual things, they just don't understand. So you be patient with people, but to eventually there comes a time where you, you do have to cut people off because they're just troublemakers. They're puffed up in pride and they just want to start problems. But the reality is, is it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that the carnal man, meaning somebody that functions by their emotions, they're a slave to their natural flesh, they're a slave to sin, they're a slave to their natural desires. They don't understand spiritual things. They haven't died. To spiritual things but people that have died to spiritual things then they understand and they're poor in spirit they're humble enough to say hey i could learn something and they receive spiritual things but that's neither here nor there we acquire faith by hearing and hearing the word of god it says in matthew chapter 13 that god's word is a seed that the word is a seed and the sower sows the word so God's word, when it gets inside of you the first time, it's a planting of the seed of God. And I, I can't cover all the different types of soils that it covers in that chapter, but it says there's multiple types of soil. There's soils that's good soil and it bears 30-fold, 60-fold, even 100-fold fruit when it hears the word of God. There's other soil that receives it quickly, but then it grows very fast, but it doesn't have deep roots, so it gets scorched by the sun. Then there's other soil that's very rocky, and that doesn't absorb it at all. And then there's other soil that grows, but it's surrounded by thorns or religious people that choke out the fruit. So you want to be, I want you to type this in the comments, say, I am good soil for the word of God. I am good soil for the word of God. God's word getting in you is the seed. As you hear it, it gives you revelation knowledge. That seed is that revelation knowledge. Whoa, Jesus paid the price for me to be saved. The moment you had revelation that Jesus was the son of God, then it gave you the ability to act on that revelation with your faith, to believe in your heart Jesus is the son of God and to confess with your mouth that he's the Lord and your savior. And then it says that confession is what leads you unto salvation. So as that seed gets in you, it's required to be watered. There's a watering process. That's why it says hearing and hearing, hearing and hearing, continuously hearing the word of God. You don't outgrow the fundamentals of faith. You don't outgrow salvation. 
You don't outgrow redemption. You don't outgrow the blood of Jesus. You don't outgrow what God has done for you. The basics. But you hear and you hear continuously. As you hear, your faith is stirred. As you hear, you get more revelation. As you hear, you're built up more. And you understand what the Bible says about you and your identity in Christ as a new creature. Praise God. And it says that it gives you joy unspeakable and full of glory. It says in the book of Romans that the kingdom of heaven is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Praise the Lord. Repetition of hearing the word is the watering process. The repetition of hearing the word is the watering process. So the key is to receive the 100th time the same way you did the first time. Let that seed be watered. Don't get into what's called mental ascent. Don't hear something about faith and say, oh, I've heard so many sermons about faith. Oh, I've heard so many sermons about uh, communion. I've heard so many sermons about healing. I've heard so many sermons about tithing. I've heard so many sermons about dominion over sin. The moment that you get into a place like that, you enter into what's called mental ascent. And the moment that you get into mental ascent, you stop receiving in your spirit and you start thinking that you know it all. The moment that you think you know it all is the moment that you won't receive oracles from God. So you have to stay in a place of receiving the word, receiving the watering of the word, the 100th time, the same way you did the first time. And I want you to write this down quickly before we get on to point number three. Any area of your life that is in bondage can be liberated by your faith. Any area of your life that is in bondage can be liberated by your faith. Write that down. Any area of your life that is in bondage can be liberated by your faith. Smith Wigglesworth once said, there's no man too fettered or too in bondage that can't be set free by his faith. So any area of your life that isn't aligned with the Bible, where you say, all right, the Bible says that I'm a tither and I'm a giver. Therefore, the windows of heaven are opened on my life. My storehouses overflow with abundance. I lack no good thing. If that's the reality, then I know I need to get more faith for it if that hasn't come to pass in my life yet. How do I get more faith for it? Hearing and hearing the word. For example, with my team, I question my team often on the word. If there's any area of the Bible that hasn't become a reality in their life yet, then I ask them, all right, tell me right now off the top of your head without notes, without a Bible in front of you, give me as many scriptures as you can right now about that topic. So for example, uh, I believe 100% because it's in the Bible that God has paid the price with Jesus to break poverty off of my life and to walk in the fullness of the blessing of God financially, to walk in prosperity all the days of my life, that I'll never lack financially. And before I believed it, I lacked financially every single day. But the moment that I saw it in the Bible, that poverty was a part of the curse, and it says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 13, that Jesus paid the full price of the curse. He became the curse on the tree so that I might become blessed. When he abolished the curse of the law, I knew that the blessing in Deuteronomy 28 was mine. 
So I started finding all these scriptures about financial prosperity about what the Bible says about how I don't have to be broke, but I can actually be blessed in order to be a blessing, that I can feed the hungry, that I can take care of people that can't take care of themselves. When I realized that that was available for me, I went and found all the scriptures I could find about that subject, and I built my faith. I wrote them down. I wrote sermons on them. I declared them. I believed them. I get them in me every single day, and I build my faith for it. As I've built my faith for it, it's become a part of my life more and more increasingly. Same thing with healing. The moment that I saw in the Bible that these signs will follow them that believe that they will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. When I found out Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, and he's still healing people, I built my faith to see those things happen. And now I've prayed for people and I've watched Jesus heal them multiple times over. There's people right now that are watching us live that you have a testimony of being healed in one of our meetings from one of those prayers. But it was because I took the time to go find the Bible, go find the word, build my faith, get stirred up, believe God, hear the word, water the seed. The moment I did that, I watched it come to pass in my life. Any area of your life right now that is not aligned with the word, by the end of the year, I speak it will be aligned with the word in the name of Jesus. If that's you, I want you to type in the comments. That's me. All right, quickly. Ashley said, I need healing. I'm so heartbroken. I'll pray for you at the end of this, Ashley. That's right. Mercy said, I prayed for one of my friends for healing, and he told me it worked. And I was like, thank you, God. That was my first time in healing. Amen. Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forevermore. Point number three, you must choose to believe the word of God over all natural senses. I want you to write that down. You must choose to believe the word of God over all natural senses. You must choose to believe the word of God over all natural senses. This is crucial because you will have opportunities in life to experience the opposite of what you're believing for. I'll just put it that way. There's been times I've prayed for people and they have not been healed, but I'm not shaken by it. I'm not shaken by experience. I'm not shaken by what I see in my natural. I'm only moved by the word of God. You have to choose to believe the word over all natural sense. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. Second Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. So we walk by faith according to the word of God, not by what our natural senses tell us. A great woman of God once said, faith is not believing what you see. Faith is seeing what you believe. I want you to type that in the comments. Faith is seeing what I believe. That is the evidence of things hoped for. Or the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Faith is seeing what you're believing. 
So you're not moved by natural circumstance. When I pray for somebody, if they don't get healed, I'm not shaken by it. I know that there's a number of things that could get in the way. Unforgiveness can get in the way. Lack of faith can get in the way. Maybe I'm the one that doesn't have enough faith when I lay hands on somebody and they don't recover. There are multiple things that can get in the way. The key is being humble enough to identify, all right, it's not God. God doesn't change. His word doesn't change. There's an area in my life or there's an area in that person's life that needs to change to align with the word. And we believe the word until it comes to pass in our life. We're not shaken by natural circumstance. I want you to type this in the comments. Say, I will not be swayed by experience. I will not be swayed by experience. If the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. Let's go there quickly, and then I'm going to pray for some people after a couple more verses. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. You must draw a line in the sand right now, today, and say, I believe the word of God is true. It's inspired by the Lord. It's breathed out by God. It is the only truth. It is not changing. There are not multiple sources of truth. This is what I build my life on, and this is what I will see come to pass in my life. You must draw that line in the sand. You build your whole life off the Bible. There's not one area of my life that I don't build off of the Word of God. If it said something in the Bible about brushing your teeth, I would brush my teeth according to the Word of God. If it said something in the Bible about what shoes to wear, I would wear those shoes. If the Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it, I obey it to the very best of my ability. That's the bottom line. So you must get to that point. So much so that even like it says in Romans chapter 4, we'll go here quickly and then we'll close up. Romans chapter 4, verse 19. Look what it says about Abraham, who is called the father of faith. Romans chapter 4. Verse 19. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body to be dead when he was about a hundred years old, nor yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So it says Abraham, even though he was a hundred years old and his wife was a hundred years old, were not shaken when God said, I'm going to birth Isaac through you. It says that he did not waver in faith at all. Say this in the comments. I will not waver in faith. I will not waver in faith. Tell me another 100-year-old person that's looking to have children. Nobody. In the natural, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He did not waver in faith. We're not moved by experience or natural circumstance. We do not waver in faith. Praise God. Amen. Well, we'll close on this. Go to Malachi 3. 
We're talking about believing the word of God after hearing the word of God. Today was part one on hearing and believing the word of God. First, you must hear what the Bible says. Secondly, you must believe what the Bible says. If you don't treat the Bible as if it's directly God speaking to you, then you'll doubt. And it says in the book of James that a man that doubts is unstable in all of his ways and he'll receive nothing from God. But if you draw that line in the sand and you say God's word says it and I believe it and that settles it, then you will watch it come to pass in your life. And that's no exception in any area. Listen to what it says about finances in Malachi chapter 3. We believe in tithes and offerings here, and I'm very, very strict on it. Because Jesus said where a man's money is, where his treasure is, is where his heart is also. Billy Graham, a great evangelist one time said, Give me five minutes with a man's checkbook, and I'll show you how much he loves God. So you can tell by where somebody's finances go how much they actually love God because your money is tied to your heart. But listen to what the Bible says about your money. Verse 8. Will man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? God says in tithes and in offerings. The tithe is 10%. So God says that's a non-negotiable. 10% of your income goes to your local church. It goes to wherever you are fed the word. Whoever pastors you and raises you up in the faith, that's where the 10% goes. But he said, not just your tithe, also your offering. He said, when you give a tithe and you give above and beyond the 10% giving your offerings, God returns to you. And listen to what he says about this. You are cursed with a curse for your whole nation is robbing me when you're not giving tithes and you're not giving offerings. But listen to this verse 10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing, and there will not be room enough to receive it. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that it will not destroy the fruit of your ground and the vines of your field, nor fail to bear fruit, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed. So God says, when you honor what my word says, once you've heard it and once you've believed it, you can then speak it and act on it. And he says, if you do it, I'll open up the windows of heaven on your life. I've experienced that in my own life. When I started taking my finances seriously with God and blessing God's kingdom, blessing those that he's using, using it to advance the kingdom of God, God increased my finances. And you can't deny it. Everyone that lives around me has seen it. There's no like once there's a difference between just hearing it and just believing it. But when it actually starts to happen, people can't deny it anymore. It's supernatural. And that's what's happened in my life. There was a time only a few years ago that I had to believe God to pay $400 a month in rent. Now I'm paying other people's rent just to bless them. That's only done by God. And if God can do it for me, God can do it for you. God says, when you honor me with your finances, when you advance my kingdom with your finances, I'll pour out my blessing on you. And I will go to one more scripture in the New Testament now. And we'll finish on this and then I'm going to pray for people. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Ian, just in time for the offering. <coughs> Verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. That means stingy with finances. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. 
Let every man give according to the purpose in their own heart. Let, <laughs> Ian. <laughs> Let every man give as they purpose in their own heart. So here's the key about financial giving in the kingdom of God. You can hear the word, you can believe the word, but you can't feel pressured. So when somebody comes up to you and says, hey man, I really have a need for my ministry. I need you to give me $1,000 right now. I need $3,000 by tomorrow so that I can go to Burundi and do a crusade. If you ever hear somebody start talking like that, they're pressuring you into giving financially. We call it fundraising. But if you'll believe the word of God, then there's no pressure on giving offerings. It says people give joyfully and bountifully. When you get into that position, then you watch the blessing of God flow in your life. There's no pressure. You don't feel pressured to give financially to the advancement of ministries. You give because you love God and his word says to give. But let's keep reading. This is what God says. When, it, when he says that people give bountifully, this is what they reap. Not only do they reap financially bountifully, but listen to this. God is then able to make all grace abound toward you so that you, always having enough of everything, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he, he who has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remains forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and supplies bread for your food will also multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness so you will be enriched in everything. In everything. Praise God. Let me play this. Everything. Did it play? Everything. Dr. Rodney says, in everything. You'll be enriched in everything. So when you obey what the Bible says about giving to the advancement of the kingdom, you'll receive the results of what the Bible says when you give financially to the advancement of the kingdom. I had a couple testimonies. Maybe I'll put them up here on Instagram. I didn't send them in for um, uh, for YouTube, but I have them on Instagram. Let me put them up here for you. I got about three minutes, but check this out. Here's one testimony. Ah, snap. You can't see it. I should have screenshotted it better. But here's a testimony on the screen right now from people who gave to the ministry. There was a young woman who gave a $1,000 offering and she was believing God for financial breakthrough in her new job and for a new house. So she sent $1,000 to this ministry a couple of months ago, a couple of weeks ago actually. And then she shot me a message a few days ago and she said, Taylor, I just got a $10,000 raise at work and my boss is actually gonna increase it even more. So it's not fake, it's real. It's happened and it happened for her. And I got two more messages just within the past couple of weeks from two other people that said that they gave to this ministry and God blessed them. One girl, another girl got a raise at work and then another girl sent in a $500 offering, I believe. And she uh, was believing God to bless her business that she was starting. And she had two people come up and bless her financially for the starting of her business at church the next Sunday. So this stuff works. I've seen it in my own life. I've got story after story after story. This isn't made up. God's word is true. If he says it, he will not be mocked. Whatever a man sows is what he will reap. So I pray that you are stirred up in faith right now. And if you've been blessed by this message, I want to give you an opportunity to give tonight. As you know, we feed 900 kids every single day in other countries currently. We've fed over 1,800 kids already this year, and we're only increasing that. We have 11 ministries that we give to each and every single month. 
And if you want to be a part in that, I encourage you, ask the Lord what would represent your best tonight. What would represent your best tonight? For some people, their best is different. But when you give God your best, God gives you his best. And that's how he works. So if you have a heart to watch this generation be lit on fire with revival, if you have a heart to see hungry kids taken care of, if you have a heart to watch the word of God get sent out over to 1.8 million people on TikTok and on YouTube and on Instagram, and you want to join arms with us, I'll give you that opportunity right now. I'm believing that there's 20 people that are going to give $1,000 to this next season of Revival Way Ministries. And if you're one of those people, I encourage you tonight, be one of those people. Otherwise, give as you can, give as you feel led in your heart, give according to the word and what God tells you to give. We have no needs here. God supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. But we're very blessed by people that give and we love you very, very much. Well, let me pray with you as you're giving and I'll give shout outs to people that give. I know there's people giving on uh, PayPal already. Ruth gave $1,200. God bless you, Ruth. She gave a few days ago, but I haven't been able to give her a shout out. So thank you very much, Ruth. We're very blessed by your financial seed into this. Edgar gave financially today. Thank you, Edgar. God bless you, Edgar. People giving on Cash App as well. People giving on Venmo. The different ways to give are on your screen. You can give at Venmo. On Venmo at Revival Way, one word. Cash App is dollar sign Revival Way. And PayPal is at Revival Way. So God bless you. Thank you for your giving. You can also give financially on our website, RevivalWay.com. Hey, Brett. Love you, brother. RevivalWay.com. You can click Partner Financially today. Praise the Lord. Demario Jones, thank you for your giving. Camille, thank you, Amanda Moyers. God bless you. Thank you, Edgar, for your giving. God bless you. I love it. Hey, I encourage you. Share this with a friend. We're going to get ready to post this on social media. Share this with a friend and tag people in it. And tomorrow night, I'm going to cover part two, the speaking and acting part of God's words. How faith speaks and acts. Well, I thank you all for your giving tonight. Whatever you're believing God for, like I said, give big. I believe there's going to be somebody listening right now that the Lord put a big number on your heart. And the devil's going to try to talk you out of it. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. Give and watch God do amazing things for you. He will not be mocked. His word is true. Let me pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, every person right now that's giving to the advancement of this ministry to advance your kingdom, I join my faith with them tonight and I believe with them whatever they're believing for according to your word. Let it be done unto them today in Jesus mighty name we give you all the honor and all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus Christ and everybody said amen and amen
Well, I want to give people an opportunity as well to, uh, to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you've never given your life to Jesus before as your Lord and as your Savior, I feel led. I haven't done an altar call in a little while, but maybe you're listening to me right now. You've been praying to God. You've been asking the Lord, Father, if you're out there, show me a sign. This is your sign. He's real. He's very real. And as we read today, he sent his son to die for you so that you would be forgiven and you could come back into relationship with God. If that's you and you want to come into a relationship with God right now, just like I did so many years ago, your life will never be the same. He'll wipe away everything you did in your past and he'll make you a totally new person. If that's you right now, I want you to pray with me. We're going to pray together. You can close your eyes and I'm just going to lead you through a prayer. Believe this with your heart and speak it. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe your word. Your word says, Jesus is Lord. So I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord and he is my Savior. Father, forgive me. For all my many sins. Wash them away right now. Make me a new creation. Put your spirit in me. Today make me born again. I give my life to Jesus. And I turn away from my old ways. In Jesus mighty name. I am saved. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, if you just said that prayer, God bless you. And I'm so happy for you. The Bible says when even one sinner repents and turns away from sin and comes back to God, all of heaven rejoices. So I believe all of heaven is throwing a party for you right now, this very moment. So if you just said that prayer with me, you can go to my website, revivalway.com, and you can click, I just got saved, and I have some free information that will help you out to get started with your Christian walk. And uh, praise the Lord. I'm so happy for you. I love you. Your life will never be the same. You can go watch my YouTube videos and be raised up in the faith. You can join me almost every single night for live streams, and I'll do my very best to deliver an on-time word for you. And we're going to watch God take you from glory to glory, and I'm glad that you're going to be in heaven with me one day. I love you so much. We give Jesus all the glory. Have a great night, everybody. And I'll see you tomorrow night for part two, the fundamentals of faith. Don't forget, share this on your Instagram story as soon as I post it, if you're watching right now. Adios. I love you. Peace out, everybody.